Welcome, everybody, to the first ever Live at the Code Bar podcast. My name is Robert, and I'm going to be the host of this show. Live at the Code Bar is going to be an awesome podcast all about treasure hunts, codes, ciphers, puzzles, ARGs, puzzle subscription boxes, escape rooms, basically anything you can think of, really. The first show that we're going to be doing for you today is going to be on Masquerade, the treasure hunt that started all. It's going to be part one of a two-part episode. But before we jump into that, I do want to give a great big shout out and thank you to three amazing people who helped me create this podcast. First off, I want to thank Nick. You are the best. Nick created, recorded, and did everything that you can think of when it comes to that theme music that you heard at the beginning of the show. So thank you, Nick. You're an awesome, magical musician and a great friend as well. Second of all, I want to give a great big shout out to another friend, Robert Brewer. He was the one that created all of the artwork for the podcast social media, for the podcast itself, as well as being the creator of the Lost Skull Treasure Hunt, which both me and Nick managed to win back at the beginning of 2020 when we dug up the uh, proxy in the middle of a labyrinth in Ohio. But we're going to talk about that more on a future episode. And last of all, I want to give a great big shout out to the editor of the show, my brother Stephen. He's more than just my brother. He's one of my best friends. And he does an amazing work. He's a filmmaker. So a big, big shout out to him. He is taking the time to to do the work of editing on this podcast. So I want to give him a great big shout out. So thank you. As I was talking to you about before, part one will be all about the book Masquerade. It's going to be about the artist, the hype, and the hunt itself. Part two will get to be a little bit juicier. It's going to be because it's all about where we're going to discuss the solve, who won, and the scandal behind who won it all, and what happened in the end. So grab a drink, sit down at my bar, as I tell you a story of Masquerade, or as I like to call it, the hunt for the golden hair. Let me start by asking you a question, and I know you cannot answer me, but humor me. How many of you have ever heard of the term Lagomania? No? Me neither. Until I started reading a little bit more about Masquerade, Lagomania is defined as a morbid and insatiable craving for a hair. Well, first of all, let me give you a little bit of the basics, and I got many of these from various websites. Masquerade is a picture book that was both written and illustrated by the British artist Kit Williams. It was first published in August of 1979, and the book started the entire genre of books, which we now call armchair treasure hunts, which I know personally I'm addicted to. And if you're listening to this, you probably are too. The book had hidden clues in the illustrations that were, that when you solve them, they would give the location of a jeweled golden hair that Williams had also made. This hair was buried somewhere in Britain. So how did this all begin, huh? Well, let's go back to the 1970s. Kit Williams was a little known painter who had some success selling some of his paintings at a gallery in London. During a lunch with an editor from a British publishing company, Jonathan Cape, Williams was challenged by Tom Mashler to do something that has never been done before with a children's picture book. At first, Williams declined and wanted to focus only on his painting. It was only later that he decided to take up the challenge. Here's a quote by Kit from Bamber Gascone's book, Quest for the Golden Hair, from page 27. One day, some weeks later, after the lunch meeting, an idea came to me while I was getting breakfast. But I told it to go away. I was much too busy to be bothered with ideas for books. Then I started thinking about what books are and how they work. By dinner that day, an idea was in the back with a friend, and soon the whole room was full of ideas. 
Soon after this, Kit thought of nothing else and was working hard on doing the paintings for the book, devising the codes needed for the upcoming treasure hunt and coming up with the story for the book as well. He thought it was important to create something that people could purchase and read and keep rather than look at just once. Just similar to the old, uh, think of a, a, a children's book. When you're reading it, you know, you read through it once and you'll put it onto the side. You might pick it up again another time, but basically once you've read it once, it's done. But with Masquerade, when you read that book, you're looking at the details. You're looking at the story and you don't want to put it down. There's just something special about it. Now, I'm not going to go into huge detail about the work that Williams did in creating Masquerade. There is going to be a bit in this podcast, of course. Uh, if you want to know more about that, go to read Bamba's book. But what he did spend a better part of two years painting all 16 paintings, devising the code, and writing the story. The story in Masquerade is the story of Jack Hare. And because I didn't mention this before, let me explain the differences between both a hare and a rabbit, because some people might not know. A hare is a long-eared mammal that resembles a large rabbit, having long hind legs and is usually found in the grassland or woodland areas. A rabbit, on the other hand, is, well, a rabbit. They are usually small and fluffy, and the case of white rabbits have red eyes, and they look like a demon creature, but that's just what I see, so I'm scared of them. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to admit that. But back to the story. Jack Hare is tasked with carrying a treasure from the moon, depicted as a woman in the book, to the sun, depicted as a man. When he finds the sun, Jack realizes that he has lost the treasure, and the challenge for the reader is for them to find it. This type of story is very common in armchair treasure hunts. It was used in Fandango, a recently unsolved hunt that focused on a fox and was based in, or rather on, Arcadia Island in Maine, and others, which I'll get to later as we progress later with the podcast. There was 15 images, the 16th was the book's cover, that had a lot of amazing details surrounded by a border of different phrases. The solve was both intricate and very original and involved using both the hands, the feet, the eyes of all the people and animals in the images and drawing a line to a letter on the border. I will go over the solve with a little more details later, but it was ingenious at the time. Since this is a podcast on treasure, I do want to spend some time to talk about how Williams came up with the location where he buried the golden hair and his thoughts behind that. The treasure of the golden hair was buried near, near the Catherine of Aragon Cross in Amphill Park near Bedford, England. Williams had once lived in the area and had had picnics in the area and the park, so he knew it fairly well. Most of this info is from Vamba's book, but a little outside of verification backs it up as well. The Catherine of Aragon Cross had, a ver had been installed in 1773 in memory of Catherine of Aragon, who had lived a troubled existence at Amphill, while her husband, King Henry VIII of England, was secretly marrying Anne Boylan. Now that he had a location, Williams had to come up with a method to make sure that the treasure was buried correctly and could be found precisely. So, first off, he thought a method using maps and string for measurements, the string can always be stretched and is impossible to use, would just not work. Williams also realized that exact figures would also not work. This was, of course, well before the creation and advent of normal use of GPS, so instead of figures, he settled on words. Williams was not sure how long the hunt would go on for, and he did not want his prize to be lost to other developers in the area, and this is why the Catherine's Cross, a permanent monument, would be a perfect hiding location. Now that he had a monument, 
and he didn't want to use figures. He also figured that he didn't want to use boring old distances, such as X distance from the monument. So he had to add another level of difficulty to the hunt, and he decided to use shadows. And then to make it even more special, he would use the spring and autumn or fall equinoxes so that he did not have to give an exact date. From there, he used noon as his default time. So to get to the precise location, a treasure hunter would have to visit Amp Hill and Catherine's Cross exactly at noon on the equinox, and the monument's shadow would point to the exact location to dig. Sounds very similar to what Indiana Jones did in Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is funny, because that was released in 1981. Williams used this method to actually bury his treasure in 1977. Who came up with the concept first? On March 20th, 1977, Williams travelled personally to Amp Hill Park on the equinox and buried a strong magnet at the precise point of the shadow at noon. This was so that when he came back to bury the actual treasure, he had an exact location they could find in the dark with nothing more than a compass. Bamber then writes, As if to clinch his choice of location, Williams found nearby a stone, which was previously unknown to him, which had an inscription on it from Psalm 104. It read, O Lord, how manifold thy works! In wisdom hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. It seemed the perfect final touch, a seal of approval on his choice of a burial site. It wasn't until August of 1979 that Williams and celebrity witness Bamba Gascoigne, the author of the book, went to Amp Hill and finally buried the treasure, finding the location using the Magnus and the compass trick. After working at the treasure's location, painting the amazing artwork, and working out and creating the actual jewel hair, Williams then had to create the puzzle itself. Williams wrote the entire puzzle out in a battered old blue notebook. In the notebook, he had all of the mechanics of the puzzle, from the lines needed to find the letters to the artwork itself. He had come up with the acrostic and the answer close by Amped Hill before he wrote the story, which really shows that Masquerade was a treasure hunt from the very beginning and a story second. There are a lot of great websites and even a few YouTube walkthroughs that describe how you solve Masquerade, and in the fairness of time and because I don't want to lose any of you listeners because, I become, because they become bored and up, I urge you to check them out, and I'll provide you links in the show notes. But let me go through the basics of the puzzle for you. As I mentioned before, each painting is used to get the master puzzle answer by drawing a line from each creature's left eye through the longest digit on its left hand and out to a border letter. Then you again take the left eye and draw a line through the longest digit on the right foot to a border letter. And then you do the same for the right eye through the right hand to the border and the right eye through the right foot to the border. Confused yet? I I certainly was. This is done only with the eyes and digits that are visible in the image. These border letters are then combined to make a word. So I want to share with you a list of the border verses and then the master riddle and their words, just so that you have an idea of what it is. So in painting one, which was called the one of six to eight, the border words say, I am as cold as earth and as old as earth and in the earth I am one of six of eight. So when you do the little trick with the fingers and the eyes and everything like that, you get the letters C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E-S. And it spells Catherine's. Now, it wasn't in that order that it was spelled out that way. You obviously had an anagram that you had to solve to get to Catherine's. Painting two was called The Moon 
and Sundance. It, it read, Dance in time, if you like, and join us in our jig. The master riddle pointed out two words this time. L-O-N-G-F-I-N-G-E-R. Long finger. Painting three, the day begins. The border line words say the day begins and the sleepy hours of night are over. The master riddle letters point to O-V-E-R, over. Painting four, the penny pockets lady. The border words were choose a number and color. Find the pocket, now pass me by. And then the master riddle, spelled S-H-A-D-O-W-S, shadows. Painting five was terror treetops. The border words, the hills are not as high, the sea so deep as a dream. The master riddle word was E-A-R-T-H, earth. Now painting six was the first double page picture. It was called the rose bushes. The border words were in haste, to chase, jack hair, jumps dog, rose blushing, petals tumble upon air. The master riddle, B-U-R-I-E-D, buried. Painting seven, eclipse, round and round, I follow you, round and round, you follow me. Master riddle word letters was Y-E-L-L-O-W for yellow. Painting eight, all animals are equal. End to end to end, all animals are equal in a tale of tail to tail. Of course, they were spelled different ways. The master riddle, A-M-U-L-E-T, amulet. Painting nine, the man with the violin. The border words, riddle dee dee, a rose in May, fiddle dee dum, a daisy day. The master riddle word, M-I-D-D-A-Y, midday. Painting 10 was another double page, Jack in the Green. I am old, Jack in the Green, eyeglass, put in the order to pass. The master riddle word, P-O-I-N-T-S, points. Painting 11, The Practical Man. Fire boil, kettle at high tea, wave quench fire at high tide. Simple this time, T-H-E, the. Painting 12, Sir Isaac Newton. Jack be nimble, Jack B, and it was spelled B-E-E, by the way. Quick, and Jack jumps over the flame. The letters were H-O-U-R for hour. Painting 13, Jack meets the fish. My reflection, I have seen in the deep waters blue and green. Master riddle, I-N for in. Painting 14 was the last double page, and it was called Crystal Aquamarine. I am hydrogen, two of one to eight. Of oxygen, I am crystal aquamarine. Master riddle, L-I-G-H-T. Second one, O-F, then E-Q-U-I-N-O-X. So this was the biggest one. It said light of equinox. Painting 15, a culmination. And this one's probably my favorite painting. It, over the water, a destination under the sky, a culmination. Master riddle said L-O-O-K-Y-O-U for look you. So, let's put all these things together now. Catherine's long finger, overshadows earth buried, yellow amulet, midday points, the hour in the light of the equinox, look you. So once you got all those, it didn't quite tell you where you needed to go though. Didn't tell you Amp Hill, just said Catherine, could be any Catherine. So what you then had to do was take the acrostic, which was the first letter for most of the words, and put them together and then it spelled out something more. 
So when you take the C, the L, O, S, E, B, Y, A, M, P, T, H, I, L, L, it's spelled out, you guessed it, close by Amped Hill. Finally, after two years of work, Williams was finished. He had completed all of his paintings, worked out and completed the puzzle, written and edited the story, and worked out the final treasure burial location. The only thing left to do was deliver everything to the publisher and publish. But in true Williams form, even this simple act came with a story. Williams had the manuscript and art of Masquerade insured for £25,000, which is a lot of money at the time, during its journey from Williams' home in Gloucestershire to the publisher at Bedford Square in London. So that's the basic story of Masquerade. There's going to be more in part two where I'm going to actually talk to you more about the actual hunt, the solve, and the scandal behind the solve. But I was thinking, what is a podcast recorded in a bar without offering you guys a drink? So what I've decided is that on each episode, or at least each show, I am going to create a drink that is specific or based around the topic of our conversation. And the first drink that I've decided to come up with is uh, based on Masquerade, of course. And because Masquerade was a very English hunt, I thought I would take a very type of English pub staple and make it my own. So I want to introduce to you the Jack Hare Shanty. This is, of course, a take on the Shanty beer. It's very simple, and if I do say it's also very refreshing. Now, simply, what you need to do is add two ounces of fresh orange juice to a beer glass and top with Blue Moon Belgian White Beer, which is my favorite beer. Since the Blue Moon is meant to be paired normally with orange, the fresh juice really adds to the flavor of this beer. So go ahead, give it a try and raise a glass. Also on each show or every other show, I'm going to try and do what I like to call a pub grub review. Basically, I'm going to take a something outside of the realm of what would normally be covered in the podcast, basically talk about things such as books about treasure, movies, uh, if there's a podcast out there that's not mine that is maybe covering something that might be of interest, you know, something like that that I would like to share with you guys just so you have some sort of idea of, of other things that are going on uh, in the treasure world. So uh, next week I'll have your first pub grub review. I'm also going to get together a whole bunch of other stuff, including some listener stories about their experiences with Masquerade and everything like that as well. So, finally, please don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all with the at CodeBarLive uh, handle. Please subscribe to all our future shows, including Part 2, which will be released in about two weeks. And if you can, please leave us a review on iTunes. This really helps the podcast grow by letting others know how much you really enjoy the show. So until next time... Keep digging.